Radio. It's Zong Thomas, and I have with me John Penley. He's an anarcho photojournalist, and he's got an update on some of the alt right and a situation in Acapulco involving people who call themselves anarchists. We're going to talk about Roger Stone, a lot of other issues. Hey, John, thanks for speaking with us today. Hey, man, I'm doing good. We got uh, flooded down here in Asheville over the weekend, but um, I'm drying out now. It stopped raining, so I'm ready to go for with this interview. I'd like to do kind of uh, speak about various um, topics concerning what I consider to be all right entities. Um, I just recently was in a documentary that people can watch on Netflix. It's called All Right, Age of Rage. And um, you can see it on Netflix. I'm in it three different times, uh, right at the beginning and twice near the end. Oh, that's great. And... I know that you've been pretty busy the last year. You've been doing some uh, work uh, supporting veterans, among other things. Why don't you let the listeners know a little bit about what your take is on the situation in Acapulco? I know a friend of yours uh, ran into some some difficulties there, and, and you knew this guy who got shot. And then recently there was another guy named John Galton who was more of a libertarian kind of guy. What's your take on it? I know Ron Paul was down there recently. Well, um, you know... Um, I I've spent a lot of time over the years in Acapulco. I'd say I've spent maybe uh, months, actually, if you added all the various times I stopped off in Acapulco on my way to um, southern Mexico. So I know the city really well. And when I saw the news that um, a young person that called themselves a crypto-anarchist was uh, shot and killed in a, a hit job um, in a neighborhood, which I know the neighborhood in Acapulco, um, you know, I kind of uh, followed up on it, and I have some, uh, you know, analysis of um, the uh, people that call them crypto anarchists. I basically classify them as another version of uh, the all right. I mean, anybody that would bring Ron Paul down to Acapulco to speak at their big, um, they have a big thing every year, which they've done for a number of years at the Acapulco Princess, which is the probably the most expensive uh, resort self-contained hotel in Acapulco. Uh, they just brought, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, Ron Paul down as their featured speaker. And right before that, um, there was uh, the murders that took place of their associates um, who were in kind of comp competition with them who were trying to do their own um, crypto anarchist thing um, uh, as well. Um, and, you know, the, uh, the difference between what I consider to be an real anarchists and the crypto anarchists is uh, we got soul, man. When something happens to one of our uh, uh, people, uh, we do something about it. Um, they talked a lot about it, but they didn't really do nothing about it. Um, quite a number of years ago, a friend of ours, an anarchist squatter from New York, Brad Will, was uh, murdered by an off-duty police officer um, filming, videotaping protests of uh, teacher strike in Oaxaca. 
now, after that happened, um, we turned that into an international issue because we went up to the Mexican uh, consulate in New York and had an actual riot. I mean, people climbed um, uh, um, light, light posts, put banners on light posts, were throwing stuff at the front doors of the embassy. Um, they had to call in the riot squad. Um, you know, that got a lot of attention focused on what happened to our friend uh, in um, Oaxaca. Um, now, the crypto anarchists, um, you know, even one of, I watched one of their uh, podcasts uh, right before the um, their big gathering down there, Anarcha Polko, and they were kind of laughing and joking about the fact that those people had been um, shot in the neighborhood. Um, you know, they had uh, about a thousand people that went down to the um, thing in the Acapulco Princess, and believe me, I've been there before. It ain't really Acapulco, and there's no danger there. Um, I mean, it's guarded by federal police officers in South Side of Town. It's a self-contained expensive resort with giant swimming pools, expensive restaurants, and so on and so forth. It wasn't the uh, kind of uh, anarchist gathering that we usually have, which is either um, out on the street or, uh, you know, in some church basement we've rented in D.C. Um, so, um, you know, um, basically, uh, these, these people are just, they're for free market, complete free market capitalism, legalization of drugs, which I'm okay with. But, um, you know, um, they're, they're really libertarians that are young people calling themselves um, anarchists, which I, I don't really agree with that. And, you know, I mean, they're almost all white. Uh, they don't uh, uh, much um, uh, talk about social justice issues. Their big thing is how they can get more money uh, with cryptocurrencies and alternative ways to make a lot of money and get rich, which, uh, you know, I don't really um, consider them to be anarchists. So these aren't really the... Uh this isn't really like the Emma Goldman School of Anarchy or the Bakunin School of Anarchy. These are more like on the right and not really anarchists. Not well, that's really. My, that's my opinion. Uh, if you ask them, they consider themselves to be anarchists. But um, I think they've co-opted, um, you know, what we consider to be anarchists. And the fact is they don't back up their people when they get brutally murdered. They don't do really nothing about it, um, which I... Um, guarantee you, if there were a thousand anarchists gathering in Acapulco after one of their friends had been murdered, there would have been downtown protests at the um, Socolo or other actions taken about it. Um, they wouldn't have just got together, had a big party in an expensive hotel, listen to speakers like Ron Paul, try to figure out how they can get rich, rich um, and, 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 and uh, did hardly anything about it. And uh, uh, people that would do uh, media, anarchist media about it, wouldn't be kind of laughing, joking about the murder of one of their fellow uh, supposed comrades. So in a way, it's kind of like phony anarchists. Well, it's not I don't really... know what it is, but it's kind of like, um, you know, with Occupy Wall Street. You know, I was one of the first night occupiers in Zuccotti Park. And it was about half New York anarchists, half Democratic Party. I mean, there was only 100 people that first night. Um, partial Democratic Party um, uh, occupiers and then Ron Paul supporters. And it was just a crazy mix. Um, and I think the reason that, um, um, you know, Adder, uh, Occupy um, uh, went huge was because we occupied that first night of Zuccotti Park. But it, it kind of blew up into all kinds of 
uh, backbiting and infighting because of the political differences between the people. And, um, you know, I, 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 um, at the end of it all, I really wish uh, or really didn't have much uh, sympathy or like for um, libertarians and Ron Paul supporters, to be honest with you. And now you got these Ron Paul supporters calling themselves anarchists, which I don't like that either. Yeah, it definitely throws a lot of confusion into the mix. Like, anarchy is just another bandwagon that people are going to jump on if it, if, if it uh, suits their purposes, which is pretty sad. Well, and, I think uh, part of it is it's a, um, a tactic to um, uh, attract young people and make money. I mean, the people that uh, organize this anarcho polco uh, probably make quite a lot of money over the... Um, the event they um, just had at the Acapulco Presence. I mean, they had enough money to fly Ron Paul down there to speak at it. And, um, you know, like I say, it wasn't in a poor neighborhood or any kind of, uh, uh, it wasn't even what I considered Acapulco. It was at the most, the Acapulco Presence, the most expensive hotel in the whole um, uh, Acapulco area. Yeah, these guys really need to be schooled in what anarchy or anarchism is all about. And, of course, uh, when you look at some of the members of the Black Bloc and some of the other groups, they're more working together as a collective and they're not into the personality and the ego of the whole thing. It looks like some people are trying to make a name for themselves. Yeah, well, they're trying to make money. I mean, that's just for, uh, most anarchists are not, don't have a lot of money and, and don't expect to make a lot of money. The whole uh, reason they um, uh, call themselves anarchists is because of their political viewpoints and they... Um, working in the community and uh, actually getting in the street and, and opposing um, the far right, um, uh, white nationalists, uh, which, you know, we did in um, various places around the country over the last year. The biggest and most well-known, considering um, all of them was, uh, you know, the year before in, in um, Charlottesville, which is the, what the documentary is about. And actually there's, uh, you know, a number of people who were part of... Um, Occupy D.C., who uh, were down uh, anarchists, um, uh, Lacey McCauley, um, Ed Hunt, uh, not so much uh, Occupy, but um, uh, well-known uh, activist, uh, Medea Benjamin. And um, the main part of the documentary is about uh, uh, D.C. Um, black uh, anti-racist activist, uh, anti-Antifa, uh, General Lamont Jenkins, which I think everybody ought to watch this documentary and pay attention to what he says throughout the documentary. Um, in the beginning, you see me and a Vietnam uh, veteran against the war had hunt with him um, in, in Charlottesville. Well, that's really interesting, and it's a lot um, for listeners to get back to. We'll mention it again at the end of the uh, segment. While we're on some of the topic of anarchism, we're going to throw out some questions for you. What do you think about Bernie Sanders' chances? What do you think about the socialism in, a, in America? Is that possible under the circumstances, or is this another term that's not being used correctly? I've got to be honest with you, man. I'm completely um, burned out. I mean, they got so many candidates running. Um, every time you turn on the TV, that's all you hear is uh, uh, more stuff about the upcoming elections, the analysis. Donald Trump, I'm really sick of it all. Um, I'm just, uh, you know, wish it would go away. I think it's just uh, brainwashing um, to stop any kind of uh, really radical change. Um, you know, you don't hear uh, Bernie Sanders say a word about the um, uh, nuclear arms race that's gone into high gear now between the U.S., Russia, and China. 
you don't hear him talk about military spending, the military budget. Um, you know, he's not really um, addressing issues I want him to address. And um, I'll be honest with you, I'm just tired of it. I, I, I don't give a fuck about, I mean, sorry, uh, my, my language, about the upcoming um, elections. I don't see any real changes happening no matter who gets elected. Uh, and, um, you know, I think that they got so many Democrats running now, they're just going to put Donald Trump back in office again. Yeah, I mean, it looks like Trump might do better than people expect, despite all the controversy and clearly, really, potentially one of the most unethical presidencies in history with his family profiting off the presidency. We could go on and on. Yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, I went to um, the uh, Republican National Co Convention and tried to organize a protest there, um, the Trump uh, Republican convention, and, you know, we had, like, uh, in the, at the most, maybe 500 to 1,000 people show up to protest them in Cleveland because nobody thought he was going to get elected. And then the next thing you know, he did get elected. I, I thought he was going to be elected all along, um, and um, I was really disappointed in the turnout in Cleveland that if thousands of people that showed up there to protest against him, he might not have gotten elected. Okay, what, what's your take on the situation in Venezuela? There's definitely been so much media that's skewed against Maduro and claim that he's holding up uh, uh, food imports. And, of course, we've seen Elliot Abrams back on the scene. We've seen some of the relics from the Iran-Contra situation. Well, you know, I was down in Nicaragua during that time, during the... Um uh, Iran-Contra um, actual war. I was in Nicaragua. Uh, as you well know, I was a federal fugitive at that time, went all the way to Nicaragua. So I remember him very well. I mean, he was the orchestration of the um, Contra war. Um, he was the point master uh, Oliver North and uh, the Iran-Contra deal and all that stuff that happened under Reagan down in Nicaragua. So you can pretty much understand why the U.S. has got him down there um, in Venezuela now. Um, you know, i got mixed feelings about this. Um, I don't really um, know for sure what I think. And on the one hand, thousands of people are leaving um, in, in, uh, the country because it's, it's, it's in such bad shape, and they need help. And on the other hand, um, I hate to see the U.S. getting a, a military um, uh, involvement in overthrowing a, a government in South America. So I honestly don't know what to think about it. I hate to take a position on either side because I have sympathy for both sides. No, I hear you. Uh, I think we're going to have to see how it all pans out. And there's, of course, you can't really trust the media in some instances because they're very quick to jump on the bandwagon. And I, nobody, I don't really know much about the new guy that, that they... Well, actually, Bunny Sanders was the only one that, is, he's catching a lot of flack about it. Uh, that um, supports um, uh, U.S. backing off uh, on Maduro down there. He's the only uh, Democratic candidate I've heard say that so far, and he's catching a lot of flack for it. Um, I think what eventually is going to happen is uh, either uh, Maduro uh, leaves and the U.S. Uh, candidate, um, what's his name? I forget his name. Uh, Guado? Yes, uh, takes over down there, or there will be... Um, They'll set up a paramilitary force and do like they did in Nicaragua. Yeah, that's, US will. that's too bad. And you know, I feel bad for the people of Venezuela because they deserve well, also, to have stability. I feel bad stability. for the Indian population where some of their people were just shot by the um, 
uh, Maduro military down there, um, you know, on their own territory. Uh, when it comes to indigenous people, nobody really respects the right uh, to them to control what goes on on their own territory. They didn't do it. The Sandinistas didn't do it and caused a big problem in Nicaragua with the Mosquito Indians. They didn't uh, uh, recognize their right to control their own territory. Maduro doesn't. Uh, obviously, they shot and killed two, two Indians and and, um, and wounded a bunch of other on their own land. Uh, you know, as far as I'm concerned, no matter what happens, indigenous people get the worst of it. And they have a right to control what goes on on their own territory. So I don't support anybody. They were kind of getting used to bring that aid in through their territory, but they made the decision to do that. And they were, uh, some of them were shot and killed over it. Um, indigenous people always get the worst in these kind of situations. Yeah, and that's not to mention, let's not forget the state of indigenous people in the United States and in the 48 contiguous because we've seen the attempt to destroy the infrastructure through pipelines and expansion and, of course, the destruction of the Bear Ears Monument by the Interior Department. So it's really been a travesty, and really the attacks on indigenous, as you've said, is worse than it's been in quite some time. Well, i got to tell you, things maybe change a little bit, but they always go back to the way they <laughs> were before. When it's uh, indigenous people, they always get abused, um, and um, uh, people don't respect their sovereignty. Um, no, no governments do that. So um, and that's pretty common. I mean, the reason is uh, Zapatista is still down in Oaxaca, still controlled territory, is that they created their own army, and um, you know uh, they had an army. <laughs> Otherwise, they would have got rid of them too. Uh, that's the only reason uh, they're still there, and they are still there uh, at this point in time. Um, you know, you didn't hear the crypto anarchist. Uh, taking up collections and sending money to support the Zapatistas down there, uh, who are kind of like indigenous anarchists in some ways, um, and um, or, or uh, other social justice movements in Mexico, they just use Acapulco to get together and try to uh, figure out ways they can uh, manipulate cryptocurrency to make more money and listen to Ron Paul speak. So that's the difference between them and us. I mean, you know, I've I've been to the uh, Zapatista territory a number of times over the years. In fact, right after the um, initial uh, uh, takeover of San Cristobal de las Casas by the Zapatistas when they first started their revolution, uh, within a week I was up there uh, with a, uh, a woman, uh, Melinda, I won't use her last name, but we were there together. Uh, we went up there um, and were there a week after that whole thing happened. and. Um, experienced a lot of the initial um, what happened in that area uh, at the uh, beginning of the Zapatista Revolution. Uh, that's the difference between us and crypto-anarchists. Um, we support indigenous and, and um, people's uprisings in other parts of the world. Well, I'm glad you could enlighten the listeners about some of those differences, and it's always tough when people try to hijack a movement or try to cash in on it, but it has happened before now. We're going to turn to another topic that a lot of people are interested in. It's been in the news recently. Roger Stone and his associate, uh, Corsi, and the other guy, Credico. Recently, the judge admonished Mr. Stone for posting an Instagram uh, with the crosshairs up in the corner. Do you have some uh, information or some reporting you want to do on that situation? 
Yeah, I know a lot about that because I've been following it since the beginning, since I actually know uh, Randy Credico. He's actually been a speaker at some uh, housing protest that I organized in New York, and I've known it for a number of years because, as you know, he was associated with the New York Yippie scene, um, and um, as a comedian, uh, did comedy down at the Yippie House at 9 Bleecker Street, um, the Yippie Cafe there, and um, on one occasion, he brought Roger Stone over there with them. I wasn't in New York during that period of time. And um, it's kind of funny, but Roger Stone tried to buy pot from Aaron Kay, the Yippie Pie Man, <laughs> over at that night. And Aaron Kay told him he wouldn't sell him any pot. Um, but, uh, you know, I've been following this all along. And um, it started out that Credico and Stone were buddies, which I didn't really appreciate too much. Um, but, you know, I mean, I'm not going to tell Credico what to do because he's done a lot of good things. Uh, but it turned out his um, association with Roger Stone blew up on him. <laughs> and now he's dragged into this whole uh, Mueller investigation because of it. Uh, you know, but at this point, um, Stone is uh, his own worst enemy. I mean, um, he posted that um, ridiculous photo of the judge with the cross her, uh, hairs over her shoulder and he got dragged into court. He's lucky they didn't uh, revoke his bail and put him in a, a federal detention center until he goes to trial, which is really completely dumb to do that. The other uh, dumb thing, which uh, the mainstream media isn't pointing out very much, is that uh, Randy Credico and, and, and Stone had a falling out because they both told different stories to the Senate Intelligence Committees about their um, involvement with WikiLeaks together. Um, and uh, now... Credico is scheduled to be one of the witnesses against Roger Stone, and Stone got upset about it and sent some threatening emails to Credico, um, which the Mueller investigation people have, and they've now also charged Stone with witness uh, tampering or witness intimidation, which is probably the most serious charge of everything he's facing right now. And they have the emails. I mean, he actually did threatened not only Randy, but he threatened to uh, kidnap his service dog, which is really stupid. I mean, you got everybody tries to think that Roger Stone is some kind of really smart operative, but in reality, um, he's not all that very smart. I mean, he uh, sent those emails and um, while he was under investigation. He, uh, completely stupid. Um, uh, you know, um, I, I can't wait to see him go to jail myself. Uh, Credico's uh, now, uh, like I said, had a falling out with them. Corsi and them uh, hates him now, too. Um, all his um, ex-buddies are um, scheduled to testify in the federal court, and he's looking at a lot of time, and he goes and puts this picture of the judge up, uh, which is really uh, just completely stupid. Well, and of course, uh, just so people know the... Roger Stone used to be Manafort's partner in a lobbying firm many years ago, and it's been alleged and reported on that Manafort somehow got a suitcase, or somebody, I don't know if it's for sure him, but it was implied that he got a suitcase of $10 million from the Marcos government to give to somebody in the Reagan administration, and apparently they never got it, and it's never been confirmed, but Roger Stone, this was reported in the Post, Roger Stone apparently told a source that that guy, the guy who did it was Manafort. So they have a lot of, they really know where the bodies are buried, so to speak, and there's been a lot of dirty money that's been swirling around this guy as well as dirty tricks. At the age of 19, he testified in the Watergate 
hearing. So he was a, a dirty trickster from way back. There's no yeah, doubt about it. A, he's got a, a tattoo of Richard Nixon on his back. Um, you know, if I was him, I think I'd have that thing blacked out before I go to federal prison. <laughs> you know, the other prisoners are going to go, man, he's got a guy tattooed on his back. They're probably not even going to know who it is. Well, Bill Maher, you know, Bill Maher said something. If you go in the shower with a guy's tattoo on your back, um, you might give some of those other prisoners some ideas. Oh, <laughs> I yeah. Yeah. This is, this is definitely high humor, and uh, this is just uh, ridiculous. And to have Richard Nixon tattooed on your back, I mean, what the hell is that all about? I mean, that's just bizarre. Yeah, the guy's kind of nuts, but uh, let me tell you, he's, he's, he's going to federal prison. There ain't no doubt about it. They got so much on him now that um, uh, he, he's going to be lucky if he doesn't get uh, the same kind of uh, sentence that Manafort's uh, lined up to get. Uh, you know, of course, they're both hoping Trump's going to pardon them, which he may do. And, um, uh, you know, I don't know what's going to happen with that. But um, I think it's really hilarious. The alt-right has melted itself down. I mean, you know, um, all of these people, Alex Jones is on the rocks. Um, he's gotten banned on, on almost all the media platforms. Roger Stone is facing charges. Corsi, uh, who uh, was a regular, and in fact, um, uh, it was Roger Stone that hooked him up with Alex Jones, and they started doing regular broadcasts on the Alex Jones's uh, show. Um, he's going to testify now against Roger Stone. You've got um, most of the alt-right fighting each other. A whole bunch of them are doing prison time in Virginia because of things they did in Charlottesville. They're all fighting each other. Uh, you know, I think it's really, really good, and I think actually, you know, people going into the street and resisting them the way they did in Charlottesville. And the fact that that, um, um, that guy uh, ran over and killed Heather Heyer and hit all those other people down there at the end of that protest um, showed very clearly that how dangerous these people are and how um, insane they are. They just, uh, you know, just now busted a um, Coast Guard lieutenant who was planning, um, a white nationalist who was planning mass, mass casualty attacks had uh, stored uh, weapons and was doing research on uh, agents he could use for mass casualties um, and so on and so forth. But the alt-right is, is burning itself up. And the funniest part is they all hate each other's guts and fight with each other now. Well, it's definitely a bizarre situation. And who knows how many people out there have those same thoughts and are, are willing to do something about it, which is pretty scary. We should note that under Jeff Sessions' Stewardship under his attorney general tenure, he slashed the funds for investigating the white nationalists or white hate groups around the country, and a lot well, of. He's a Confederate, you know. I mean, uh, he's still he's still fighting the Civil War, as far as I'm concerned. Um, but uh, people should really watch that documentary and listen to what uh, Daryl Lamont Jenkins has to say about standing up to these people. Um, uh, really, really, really informative. Um, uh, uh, you know, he, uh, they interview him. They contrast him with the alt-right guy, uh, Richard Spencer. And uh, people really should listen to what he has to say because throughout that whole documentary, he's teaching people about how, um, uh, you know, um, he, he's, he's been doing standing up to these people for a long time. And the, one of the funniest things is he um, opens up the trunk of his car the whole truck is filled with Confederate, I mean, um, KKK um, 
uh, uh, uniforms, propaganda, something like that. He says, yeah, I thought some people out of quitting the KKK, and they gave me all this stuff. So I got a truckload of KKK paraphernalia in the back of my car, which is in that documentary. Watch it. It's really funny when he opens that truck up. All right, so um, just to rehash, um, what's the name of the documentary? Where is it available? Netflix? It's on Netflix. If you're, uh, you 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 got a subscription to Netflix, it's called Alt-Right Age of Rage. Uh, you can see me with uh, Daryl Lamont Jenkins and Ed Hunt right at the beginning. Um, you can see Lacey McCauley, Medea Benjamin, um, and, of course, Daryl uh, through uh, different parts of the documentary. And then... Um, they have me making some comics right near the end of the documentary. So it's Alt-Right Days of Rage, available on Netflix. Age of Rage. Alt-Right Age of Rage. Age of Rage. Age of Rage. Alt-Right Age of Rage. Great. Make sure you tune in and try to get the, uh, the documentary. Sounds like a really good one. Okay. Well, is that about it? Um, yeah, I would say, did you want to... Did you want to give the listeners any news from, from uh, North Carolina or any news from the Lower East Side? Anything, well, you anything know, new? Uh, the yeah. big news from the Lower East Side is that the last vestige of old school Lower East Side just sold their building. The 3rd Street Hells Angels, which have been there as far as I can remember ever since I moved to the uh, neighborhood in, um, uh, like, uh, what is it, 74, uh, sold their building on East 3rd Street, and they're out of the neighborhood now. Uh, that's the breaking news this weekend. Uh, I mean, you know, they were a presence, whether you like them or not. And um, actually, me and Paul DiRienzo interviewed Sonny Barger uh, for uh, one of the pod magazines in front of that building a, lot, uh, a while back. But um, they're out of the neighborhood down here in North Carolina. The funniest, it's really hilarious, is that after all the stuff Trump and the Republicans were saying about um, election fraud, the, the most high-profile um, actual confirmed case of election fraud was done by Republicans um, in the state of North Carolina. And it's pretty much been exposed now. Probably some people are going to be facing criminal charges over it, and they're going to have to have a new election. So uh, the Republicans were guilty of election fraud, and, and, and it wasn't just made-up stuff. It's well-documented. You can, Anybody can look it up in the media now. Even the Republicans said... He thinks they had. They have to have a new election. Well, Mark, Mark Harris's son is a U, was a, de, a deputy U.S. attorney, and he even called out his dad and said, "These guys are shady." And his father didn't even believe him. Yeah, he told his dad the guy they hired had already had uh, criminal problems for fraud and stuff. I think concerning a, a previous election. Um, so when he testified, that was kind of like the next thing you know. Uh, his dad. Um, said, well, um, I think we have to have a new election. When his own son went in there and testified against him. So, that's just crazy. Well, there you have it, election fraud, and it's here, and hopefully they're going to try to clear that up, but you can expect all kinds of dirty tricks, no doubt, in the next election. John, it's been great speaking to you. I want to have you back on the show soon so we can talk about the way jur yeah. journalists are being treated in this country and around the world. Some of them I just want to yeah. end it with this. Good night. All right. Burn yourselves up. You're doing us a big favor. And I'm really happy to see you're melting down and fighting each other. And you're really, really um, going back in your uh, uh, sewers where you belong. Hey, thanks Good for night. All right. Thanks for coming back on Media Radio, John. Okay. Happy trails. Okay. All right. All right. See you. Okay.